0: Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to Business Builder Show, where we feature champions in their respective industries from all over the planet. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable insights that will inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to talk about building your business by retaining your existing customers. And Tim Daly's going to walk us through that strategy. He's the founder of Vin Cotto and oversees client strategy and marketing operations. Why? Because he sold his business. He'll tell us about that. He brings over 20 years of direct marketing and internet experience to us. He's served Fortune 500 companies on both the agency and the client side. He's a highly sought-after speaker at industry conferences. He's recognized as an expert, in quotes, in search engine marketing, especially for influencing various Google algorithm changes and tricks while crafting unique strategies that produce significant improvements for his clients. Tim, it's great to have you here, sir.
1: Thank you for the invitation, Bill.
0: So before we started, you gave me a list of the kind of folks you deal with. But altogether, who do you serve, you and your agency there, Tim?
1: I I like to say that Vincoto is client agnostic. So if you have a problem... We'll fix it. So we have not, as an organization, really focused on any very specific like industry lines. So we go in, we learn your business, we take what we learn about your business, match it into how do you integrate that to the search engines, the, so, the social media platforms, the DSPs, and try, try to make sure that what you're doing and what you're saying and how you're it, 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 it executing it returns to a direct response profit that you want. So all the clients we work with are direct response oriented. Uh, do we do awareness? Sure. The awareness comes as a result of all the direct response marketing we're doing. We we don't, while we have a large, we have a range of large fortune 500 clients. We also have a lot of small and medium sized clients who we look at it as if you got a business that can be grown and we think we can grow it then let's partner in and let's go to work. And we've had a lot of success of growing some companies that were in the two, $3 million range and bringing them up into 20, 50, $100 million companies in just a couple of years by instituting these best practices that we've learned over the years of executing things on Google, Bing and Facebook.
0: Okay, great. These clients you just verbalized, articulated, share a handful of problems that you solve, Tim. So could you identify these problems that that are moving around, I, I imagine, and the solutions are changing, but give us an overview of what those problems are.
1: Yeah, so you go back in the past, some of the changes, the issues today are a little bit different than they were eight to 10 years ago as Google and Bing and these organizations have evolved. In the past, we had situations taking on an insurance client who was not understanding how to properly structure the campaigns, understand where to properly invest their money and get a return on the investment. So when we started with them, they had a $2,300 cost per new auto policy. And it was right around the time when Google had launched the 10,000 locations per campaign. So I shifted them to a five tier approach with a a uh, spatial predictive model because they had data in-house that says, based on these geo geolocations, I'm going to give this kind of quote. It's going to be a competitive quote. And I know that I have a higher likelihood of com- converting that into a policy. And then I had other situations where I knew they were going to give a bad quote. So let me pull myself out, not being the phrase. So when we knew we could go in and compete against Skyco and Progressive and go full throttle. We'd go in, push in front of them. And then in the situations where we knew it was going to be a bad portfolio investment, we pulled ourselves out and let it go and in in progressive have all the bad stuff. So now if you look at things today, new stuff, one of the things that we've been seeing is people's inability to understand performance, Max. So last year, our agency grew 100% been in business for 13 years, grew 100%. And all of that growth was the result of other agencies who did not understand performance max and just completely blew up their client campaigns. And it, it everything you've learned about Google and paid search, when you're talking about performance max, you have to throw it out the door because none of it applies. And you're completely starting new. And there was a lot of pioneering testing that we had to do and we learned how to manipulate the system to the best abilities and we had one client who was spending four and a half million dollars a month on google who came into us and the reason why they hired us is the existing agency dropped their revenue by 30 percent in google overnight when they turned on performance max and did not understand what they were doing and that 30 percent they scrambled and then basically made it even worse. And then we got a call because I, I knew the CEO. He reached out for me a consult. I went and took a look. It was like, just reset it, but understands probably going to take you 90 days to get back because of the damage that they did. So we got hired. They brought us in, fixed the campaigns, restructured it. So all this happened in May. So by the time we got to September for the holiday season, they were back to where they were. And then our work was so good that we exceeded their goals volume-wise by 30% during the holiday and, and exceeded their return on advertising goals by about 15% same time after just this complete implosion to their business because some somebody did not know how to do it. And one of the things that you know a lot of these agencies don't understand is with Google's automation, you can't make 15, 20, 30, 40 changes a day. If you do that, it's going to backfire in your face. You have to set it, got to give it two or three days, let the system collect information and then reevaluate what you want to do. And a lot of these tech-based companies who built their search platforms on, oh, I'm going to make 15 changes a day, move you around. You can't do that stuff anymore. And if you do it, it's going to backfire on your face because of the way that the system has turned around. And, And how we learned this is, pioneering testing and trying to figure it out on our own. Don't read case studies. Don't read white papers. Just go do the AB split test that you do that you would normally do. And unfortunately, I'm a little bit older. I go back to the beginnings. I remember 2000, 2001, when there were no case studies, we made them. (laughs) We had to learn how to do all that stuff back in the day. And a lot of these people that are now coming in the industry, they don't know how to do that kind of testing. They read a case study and many of the case studies on these websites our business develop a sales pitches. They are not solutions to the problems. So what we do is we go in and we give you the solution to the problem.
0: You're in a space where there's lots of agencies that are com- competitors, you make a lot of noise, and, make a, and you just you just gave us a case study with involving one of them. So when somebody asks like me and says, "Hey Tim, how are you different from your competition?"
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, had, we were significantly different. So because I started on the client side, I, I worked at Office Depot. And at the age of 25 years old, those crazy people gave me $100 million of budget to spend. It was a while West back then, but I fell into a lucky job, major responsibilities. So I learned what it was like to be on the client side. And when I was at Office Depot, I fired every single agency that they had hired prior to me taking over. And there was various reasons why I fired all of them. And then I leave Office Depot and I was like, all right, I'm going to jump over to the agency side because, you know, I wore my welcome out at Office Depot because I I was the Energizer bunny with too many ideas and 25-year-old kid who didn't know how to shut his mouth around a bunch of 40- and 45-year-old parents who wanted to go to their soccer games. I was working 100-hour weeks. I I was just crazy. So when you go to the agency side, those ideas are what they pay for. So I made that transition over, and I haven't looked back. And I worked for one large agency in Florida. We grew it from $4 million to $50 million in the course of three years. And then we sold it out to the Lehman Brothers in 2007. So you can probably determine where that one went with the Lehman Brothers being involved. So I had to get myself out of Dodge. I learned a lot of lessons from that. And from that, I started my own agency. So when I started my own agency, what I decided to do was, how do I create an agency where I won't fire myself? Why was it the things that these people didn't like that fired where I didn't like that I fired them for? And I'm going to make sure that's not going to be in my business. So one is performance transparency. Everyone gets to reports at nine o'clock in the morning on Monday morning. There is no wait. Most agencies will deliver them to you Wednesday, Thursday, because they're trying to piece it all together. We're giving it out on Monday. Everything's automated. The team spends all their time analyzing and figuring out how to improve performance and grow business rather than trying to figure out exactly what happens. The next major thing that I do, which I think is the big, huge differentiator, is that I have in my senior team, five people with over 10 years worth of experience. So what we guarantee for every call is that one of my VPs will be on that call. I'm not going to leave you with the junior staff and the managers. Every call, you should have a peer on the call who you can ask a challenging question, or if you have a concern, they can answer it. It's not going to be, oh, let me take that note and let me get back to you. Now, the last thing that we do, and and again, this is one of those risks, and is that I allow them to talk to the data people. Everyone says, don't let them talk to these people that do numbers because they can't say the right things. So... I would rather them be able to get the answer they need and go right to my employee who's, you know, four months out of college and get an answer and if they give the wrong answer we'll correct it. We let the client know up front, you may not always get perfection on those. It's different model, but if you want quick response you want action being done. Basically, it's the only way to do it. So, where most agencies will funnel you through an account manager. Yes, we have account manager, but you're not funneled through that person. You can go to any single person on my team and you can ask them that question and they will give you an answer. And for me, I actually show up at about 75% of all client calls. So, I'm usually in at least twice a month for every one of our clients. They got full access to me. And those are the things you just don't get at a typical agency. Senior team comes in, they give you the sales pitch. You never see them again. And then you're dumped. Then you're dumped down. And that's where we were able to get a lot of these Fortune 500 companies is that when they were working with the New York City agencies, because they weren't spending enough, it was a lot of money, but not a lot of money for them. $5 $5 million in media spent on paid search is chicken feed for those guys. So they were getting the C team or the D team, and then they would train the people. Once they were trained, move them over. One of my clients that's been with me, that's a, a big box retailer. They have had the exact same team working on their account for seven and a half years. Not one person has left. I'd say there's no agency in the country who can say that. So I would
0: agree. I know. I know. Tim, tell us about how you went about founding your company and growing it and ultimately selling it. So maybe you could walk through the kind of major milestones. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. our audience would like to hear, Tim, the things, the good decisions you made and some bad decisions you made and what you learned.
1: Yeah, I think the good decisions that I've made through life is I've always done the right thing. And I got fired from two jobs for doing the right thing. I just wasn't going to bend my ethics and I wouldn't do it. And I lost my job because I wouldn't do it to the client at these agencies that I worked at. And to me, that was a a starting point of where I was going to go. And as a result of that behavior, what happened is when I left one agency after I got fired, I had a big client call me and say, we hired you because we wanted you. And then two more call right after. And the big guy was working pest control. So our compass control said, we want you to stay on consulting and we hired you for you. So we're going to move it over to you. And, you know, they gave me enough money that paid my bills, but I was paying check, paycheck to paycheck. My other big client was Bellator Mixed Martial Arts. So talk about two, two businesses that are completely different. With Bellator, I was running their marketing department and got them up to, they're now the second largest mixed martial arts company in the world that all on the basis idea that I gave them was everybody else is charging for pay-per-view. Nobody knows who you are. Give the mo- the fights away for free. Started giving away the fights for free and put them up on YouTube and basically Bellator exploded and Viacom then bought them for $50 million. So after that happened, I'm, I'm like sitting, oh my God, now I got to go get a job because I don't have them as a client anymore. So I give the news to Orc and Pest Control and the founders, who are billionaires, the Rollins family, sent me a check for a quarter million dollars and said, we're going to prepay your fees for two years, get your company started, because the rest of the world has a right to work with you for all the things you did for us. We never compensated you properly for the contributions you made to our business, and we're going to put you in business. We'll figure out the services that you give me, give us. And I was just like, holy cow, to be able to start a business Totally on the basis of reputation and doing the right thing for people. Karma came back and it bit me in the backside a couple of times, but you know what? Karma comes back and gives you good times too. So as a result of that, it allowed me to get started. I was able to bring in a couple of staffers and we built the company up to over $8 million in revenue in the course of about six years. And I did it without having a sales staff. We have never had a business development salesperson on staff ever. It led me to getting on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies list three times. Now, you'll see a lot of agencies get out there on that list. They get on that list because they went out and got a whole bunch of clients. I got on that list because I didn't lose clients. I go back to my college days in undergrad, and which is what drove me is I had a professor named Leonard Barry. He's still at Texas A&M. So I'm actually taking my daughter for a college visit in a month and a half. And he's going to do a personal interview for her. He remembered okay. me. And they asked me, Tim, how did you get the success? Same question that you just asked. And I told him, you said something in one class and it was also in your book that resonated me and never left me. You said that it cost eight times more to go get a new customer than it is to keep your existing customer. So I made the decision when I started Vincoto, I was going to do marketing and I wasn't going to do sales. And if I did good marketing and I invested that time and didn't worry about getting the next client because I was prepared to get fired by the client I just got, then they'd stay a lot longer. Now, the risk of the business model is, there's a lot of reasons why you lose clients that have nothing to do with your work. They can make bad financial decisions. They could have an operational breakdown. You have things like COVID that can blow companies up. I lost three of my clients who went bankrupt as a result of COVID. So that you get a, your contact who's your VP of marketing leaves. You get somebody new come in that just cuts your throat. And it doesn't matter what you've done. I can proudly say in 25 years in this business, I have not been fired once for performance. So they, uh, there's not a lot of people that could say that our company has never been fired for performance. Just new people come in, things change. Sometimes we grow their businesses so much. One of our clients was Orbis Education uh, that did, they did uh, accelerated nursing programs. I went in, did a turnaround agent on them. They were on the brink of bankruptcy when I went in and four years later, they sold the company to Grand Canyon university for $365 million. So now my partner Tom was just like Tim, maybe we should stop starting charging fees and just ask for one or two percent of the back end when they sell, because we just kept growing our company, these clients, so much that they they would sell and then I lose the business. But everything was around just massive customer service. We pride ourselves on you get it, you get a response within an hour, you get a solution within a day. And everyone on my team lives to that. And then the, I think the last thing with the success is, is client, uh, employee retention. So I can say right now with the team that I have not had one employee leave in 19 months. So. Again, very few agencies could say that. It's usually a revolving door. And what we do is we train, we teach, we grow. And I let the junior staff know, you come onto my team. I'm going to personally take an interest in you. I'm going to help train you. I'm going to make you, I'm going to give you an MBA on the job. And I deliver upon that and they stay. And then hopefully by the time they get to year three, I've now got an opportunity for them to move into a manager role. Pretty much everyone on my team with the exception one that is manager and above is a promotion from internal. So the minute you bring people from the outside, it changes your culture. And if you keep promoting the people from within who stuck by you, gave you their loyalty and worked hard for you, basically they work hard for the client and I've made sure that they understand when they spend their client money, they treat it like it's their own. And I push that culture to all of them. And I, I have the luck of having just amazing employee retention. And in turn, by maintaining that employee retention, I maintain the client retention because people don't leave the accounts. So when you can keep a team, the same team, Fortune 500 count with the same seven people for for the last eight years. There's not a lot of reason for them to want to move so long as that team continues to produce the results. And then they become deeply understanding of that business to the same level as the client. And that's why clients typically don't leave and grew the business solely by not losing clients.
0: Other than your initial prepayment of, of a fee, have you ever gone out for investor capital or anything, or has it all been self-generated?
1: No, didn't go through to look for the investor capital. It was just, just was there was a ba- the focus on balance of personal life and work life, and I didn't have a desire to massively grow the company. I was happy with a very hefty bottom line, and when you keep your existing clients, the profit margins that you get in the bottom line they exponentially grow as a result of that, especially when you're growing the spend with them and your contractual fee is a percent of media spend. Never went down that route to looking for investing funding because there wasn't an interest for me at the time to try to do that growth. Did it before when I was at this agency called Centec down in Florida, which is the one that sold out to the Lehman Brothers. It wasn't as fun of an experience. I was on a plane three and a half days a week. I wanted to do marketing. I didn't want to be doing sales pitches and, and, and customer presentations. I wanted to go do marketing. When we became the agency that I didn't want to be. So I didn't really want to do that growth. So now I did make the decision. When COVID hit, I started taking a look at potential suitors and I made the, there was a couple options I had on the table. I was talking to some investment capital firms about buying me as an agency where they could utilize us like a McKinsey or a KPMG, and then be self-funding by having clients. And then you can have a McKinsey KPMG inside your walls. So went down that route with a couple, did talk to some of the big consultancy companies. And then the other conversation was with a potential new client that wanted to hire us as their agency. And some of the challenges they put forward to me, what they wanted to do for growth, COVID coming in because it was like end of March. I could see what was coming. Things were locking down. I was just like, yeah, I can't make this investment. I knew what was going to come for some of my clients. So I said, give me an investment in the business, help me through and you can have a piece of the pie. They said, send me the numbers and 24 hours later, they were like, we would like to buy you wholly. And that was HomeServe USA. So a very quick turnaround. It was a three month process. And then for them, they were looking at get moving towards digital first and they needed to hire 40 people for their digital marketing department and COVID hit and they were like, how are we going to hire all these people? So the easy solution was, here's an agency that doesn't have a ton of clients they don't do a lot of sales they're focused on doing marketing they act like a marketing department let's go buy them and they can be our marketing department so we got fused in with four people that were on the team and we we effectively became their marketing department for about a year and a half as they started beefing everything up so it was a nice a nice marriage and in an, in an interesting work that we did coming in with HomeServe, we were able to increase their digital conversions into subscriptions. So they do the sewer and the waterline maintenance service contracts and insurance pr- pr- warranties. And so we came in built that growth for them. And then we eventually started pulling back a little bit. They brought in some more staff. And then in the middle of all this, because of the great work we did digitally, there was a hostile takeover of HomeServe by Brookfield Asset Management, a trillion dollar portfolio management company that purchased HomeServe last year. So we are now an entity under a much, much, much bigger company that I would never have actually expected I would be a part of. So it's it's been an interesting ride. So I had a five-year contract to stay on. I'm entering year four. So everything's been smashingly well. I've been Good. able to get the proceeds that I was hoping. My wife is happy. Good things can happen where if I want to, at the age of 55, I should be able to walk away and never have to work again. So those are the nice parts. But probably I'll keep working because I don't know anything better.
0: So what's holding you back, if anything, now?
1: Just the changes in the industry are very challenging. Things that Google has been doing over the last two, three years. They, you know, the world with Google, you go back 15 years ago, and again, I go back to like my graduate school learning and they talk about making sure that all stakeholders matter when you make decisions. And if you think about Google 2006, 2007, 2008, when they made decisions, they considered all stakeholders in that decision. They were looking at the users, their customers, they were looking at their advertisers, they were looking at their employees, they were looking at Wall Street and they were taking everything into account and making sure every decision they made was with respect to all the stakeholders in the mix. And I think we can all agree over the last two, three, four years, the only stakeholder that matters anymore are the Google senior executives in Wall Street and the decisions that they're making really aren't in the best interest of advertisers. The user experience on Google has completely fallen apart. They have a monopoly so they can get away with some of these things. But the experience of working with Google has been very challenging. And then with Facebook, similar issues. They, with the Apple taking away a lot of their data, started making things more challenging to make advertising efforts work. They're giving you, you know, this conversions API and saying, oh, sure, everything's there. But then when you read the fine print, it says we model a lot of data. I don't really want you to model data. I want you to understand exactly what happens and I'll invest accordingly. So there's a lot of things that these guys have done utilizing AI as a way to take away transparency and obfuscate the things that allowed you to be successful. So the last two, three years has been probably the most challenging of my career of trying to figure out what Google's done, beat them back and beat them. And I would say I've effectively done it. We've reworked, figured out their models and the new things they're doing. A lot of interesting stuff they did. Like one thing I would have never expected, they actually are in, uh, penalizing people if you don't use call the phone call forwarding solution and they want that call real time. And then you can put in your duration. And if one advertiser puts in a, a 240 seconds for four minutes and another puts in 60, what Google does, it'll deliver the 60 second calls to the one guy and the two hundred forty second to the other guy. And then all of a sudden you get a whole bunch of 58 second calls. And what those are bots who didn't say anything and telemarketing system shut down at 58 seconds. And then Google's charging me. It's mind-blowing some of the things that we've uncovered. Now, once we uncover them, we work to make sure that we block them out. But it's been a lot more challenging to uncover these things with Google, with the obfuscation of data. So it's taking 3x, 4x longer to figure out how to shut something down that isn't working positively for your business. And I get it. Google wants to be able to maximize out all of its inventory in the best possible way. And I can appreciate that and I can understand it. But at the same time, you got to come back to the stakeholders. And you know what? The advertisers are the one who basically pay the bills for you. They're the ones that feed your employees. And you know what? Let's work together better, and we're heading in a direction that is going to get worse as we go with this evolution to what's going to be called Project Magi, which will result in you won't be able to choose your keywords, and mm. Google will effectively do all the work for you. You give your at your creative assets, you give your landing page, you tell them your budget, what my goal is, and it's like the Ronco your meal gets cooked perfect. So. Do we want to trust that? Is that really going to work? There's a lot of concerns that in this ship with Project Magi is going to be a lot about content. So all these people who have been Google agencies that have built their business on analytics, number crunching, platforms that change things 15 times a day, none of that's going to be applicable in two years. And if they don't start making that adaptation, they're going to be out of business. For us... We are building out a unit for content because we have to. And anyone that's not moving towards building out content and the importance of what that's going to mean into what you're going to do with Facebook, what you're going to do with Google and Bing in the future, you're going to be on the outside looking in with your business if you don't start making that transformation.
0: Very interesting. So, Tim, tell us, our listeners would like to get a hold of you. How do they go about doing that?
1: Yeah, the easiest way to get me is via email. So my email address is tdaily at vincoto.com. So that's T-D-A-L-Y at sign V-I-N-C-O-D-O.com.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Any question, or I should say, is there a single question, Tim, that I should have asked you and I didn't that uh, you could pose and then answer that would give huge value to our listeners?
1: Yeah, I think the real question is, what do you want your business to be? Because this conversation was about how do you grow a business successfully through that? So you can go the other route if you want, if your focus is around sales. And so the way that I did it isn't necessarily the way that works for everyone. And I freely admit there's huge risks in my business because if I lose a client, it's much, much more painful to my business than to someone else's uh, business that's got a sales force. So you gotta do what really is best for you and what the skill sets are within your organization. I went a different direction and there's a lot of agencies. There are a lot of advertisers that want what we offer, but there is a number of agent advertisers who don't want what we're offering. So everyone's approach in some fashion or form can be successful. I just did mine a different way because it matched with who I was, what culture I was going to create within my organization and how that team was going to appreciate, respect their clients. And if you don't have that culture, don't do what I did because you will fail miserably go the other route and you can be just successful in that route as well. So there's no perfect way of getting there, but my way was one great way of getting there. And if you like a lot of bottom line profits, My way did a great job for it, and if you want to grow in front, you want to retire at fifty-five, like I'm hoping to do. It was going my route was a great way of doing it.
0: Thank you, Mister Daly. That was fantastic. I appreciate
1: it. No problem.
0: Everybody, look. On in closing, let's focus on a single fact, and that is this. Our businesses do not become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first learning and then applying a proven combination of having a visionary mindset, a visionary strategy, number two, having a management system to execute that strategy, and number three, leveraging high-performance teams. You can get your hands on those three tools by just simply going to my gift, we're located at Business Mastery Pro. Go to Business Mastery Pro, get your hands on those three concepts. Thanks for listening, Tim Daly. Thanks very much for spending your time with us today. Much appreciated.
1: Yep, thank you for having me, Bill.